Amen. I just thank you, the Lord, just for His goodness and His faithfulness always. Um, when uh, when Randy asked me to, to preach, um, first thing I thought that popped in my mind was be ready in season and out of season. But amen, it's wonderful how the Lord works because the Lord had been stirring a message in my heart um, a couple weeks ago, and um, I just felt the Lord, this is the time for um, for me to share it and for the Lord to speak through it. Um, if y'all can turn with me, we're going to go through several scriptures, and I want to open with this passage in light of, of how we celebrate resurrection, the Christ resurrection uh, this morning. Get with me to Luke chapter 24. And the title that the Lord gave me for this message is Fight the Good Fight. Amen. And, and Christ was the best example of that for us. Luke chapter 24, and we're going to skim through a couple of verses. Luke chapter 24, this is speaking of right, right as Christ was resurrected, and it's, um, it's really something how God ends up speaking and revealing himself and, and how surprised a lot of people were, even though Jesus told them that this is what was going to happen. How many of us, when God speaks to us, we, we tend to forget, perhaps in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that valley, we forget what Christ has said, and then he comes and reminds us, this is what I told you would happen. Amen? Um, so, we're going to go through this chapter relatively quickly. We're going to skim, and you're going to see different sets of individuals, and how the Lord speaks with them about this resurrection, and how they react, and how they doubt. Okay, we're going to start at verse 10. And these are some of the first people, the ladies were some of the first, uh, these women were, were some of the first to witness that the grave was empty. And so verse 10, it says it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And look at verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. And these are the disciples. These are the men that were supposed to believe. These were the men that walked with Jesus for three years. And here they come and tell them what's happened. And, and what does it say? It seemed to them like idle tales, and they believed them not. And I would challenge you this morning. I don't know if you're born again this morning, but maybe how many times have you heard the gospel? How many times has family shared with you the gospel, and it just seems like an idle tale? It just seems like some kind of um, doubtful thing but it's true this resurrection is true this salvation is true amen let's get down to verse 24 there's another set of people that Christ tried to speak through and, and Christ actually ends up having to rebuke them as they walk the, the two men walking on the Mayus road and so this is several verses down and starting verse 24 and it says and certain of them which were which were with us, went to this sepulchre, and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. And this is how they were speaking. And it says, and he said unto them, this is Christ speaking back to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then skip down to verse 31. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Okay, let me stop right there. So again, this is another one, and in, in, in Christ ends up scolding them. He says, fools, he said, why 
why don't you believe what I had told you would happen? And it says that their eyes were finally open. And then right when their eyes were open, Christ vanishes. All right, let's keep reading. It says, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told and they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Let me stop right there. In the midst of doubt, in the midst of despair, Christ comes and he says, Peace be unto you. It's incredible. How we doubt, how we murmur, how we we're we're then we're enclosed in a room in fear. And how many of us spiritually can become just so enclosed in fear and doubt? And Jesus come and he says, Peace be unto you. And they were frightened. Skip down to verse 44. The Lord ends up comforting them, and he said unto them, these are the words which I speak unto you while I, was, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And how many of us, I know I certainly do, need a pep talk from the Lord? Amen. We need a reminder. We need a refresher. And, and we get so bogged down in where we are, in, our, in whatever trial we're going through, we get so bogged down. And we need the Lord to come and say, peace be unto you. And what does Jesus encourage him with? He said, everything that the scripture said in the Old Testament is being fulfilled. And not only that, everything I've told you in my three years of ministry has just come to pass. And then he commends them and he charges them. He says, you are witnesses of all these things. I want you to go now and preach that gospel. And I'm not just going to leave you alone. What does he do? He says he's going to give him, give them the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go and to preach and to minister. He's not going to leave them alone, right? The comforter comes. And then when, when Peter ends up preaching in Acts, what does Peter say? He says, Joel, this was prophesied as well. The coming down, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was promised as well. Amen. And so there's a theme in the New Testament, especially regarding the gospel and Jesus' resurrection. There's always the, the emphasis of a witness, a testimony, a confession, a profession. And so what the disciples had seen with their eyes they had heard, they were to, in the same way, go out and, and share that as well. 
And us as Christians, the same way we've been saved, we've been born again, we're charged to go out and to be witnesses, to be ambassadors of Christ for that. Amen. And so the Lord had given me the title of this message, Fight the Good Fight. And the reason he had given it to me is because I know I've been through, through trials and through difficult times. And, and perhaps you are this morning. If you're not this morning, you certainly will. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to go through trials. The Lord warned us of this. Amen. But it's important to study God's word and to stir our heart and to remind ourselves of the promises that God's given us. God doesn't leave us alone. And the bravest, the strongest man that ever walked the earth, Christ incarnate, God incarnate, did all that for us. And he is our greatest example of the strongest soldier, of the greatest conqueror. Amen. Fight the good fight. And Paul, as the Lord was moving on Paul's heart, the Holy Spirit inspired him as he was writing his epistles. Paul never saw that with his eyes. He never saw Jesus in that sense. Obviously, whenever he was um, called to be a minister um, and he fell off the horse, Jesus appeared to him. But he didn't see him in that sense. He didn't spend those three years with him. Remember, the, the uh, apostles did. But God ends up moving in Paul in a special ministry, in a special way. And he ends up imparting to, to Timothy these um, these words that the Lord had given him and encouraged him. If y'all can turn with, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures in Timothy. Let's go to Second Timothy first. Second Timothy chapter two, and we're going to read verses one through three. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, sound very similar to what Christ told them all, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3 is real key here. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When we're battling, when we're discouraged, we don't feel like fighting, we don't feel like getting up in the morning, we don't feel like reading, we don't feel like praying, we don't feel like going to church, we don't feel like going on Wednesday nights, we don't feel like going on Sunday nights. We're tired. These bodies are physically tired. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure that hardness, press in through it. Amen. Sister here, Valerie, and her family, um, Josh is in, in the Marine, uh, he's in boot camp and is being prepared to be a soldier. And it's a hard, hard training. Boot camp is very hard. Um, I had a cousin that went through it. And, um, and the reason the Bible speaks of our spiritual walk with the Lord in this sense, because there is a hardness of it, there is a training. There is an equipping that God is calling us to be, and it's not, the Lord doesn't want us to be naive about the things that we're going to have to perhaps go through as Christians, as men and women, as daughters of the King, we are going to have to endure that hardness. And there's a couple of things that God's given me to go through um, in fighting a good fight. God's going to have us go through temptations and trials. We may have to go through sickness. 
We may go through times of great discouragement and depression that we're going to battle. But God's going to be with us through the end. And he's charging us to fight the good fight. Amen. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 12 to 15. And this is where the title of the message comes from. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 12 to 15, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession, profession before many witnesses. You see that word, witnesses? Profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrevocable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And look at the example that Paul gives to Timothy as he's encouraging him. He said, before who? Before Jesus Christ Jesus, and before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And when I read that scripture, it, I guess I'd always skinned it. But in fighting the good fight, this is a, a maybe a scripture verse you hear a lot. But looking at that next verse, verse 13, how he points to Christ, and he talks about him witnessing a good confession. I would, I'm just thinking of of Christ, and he's he's just been, um, you know, obviously falsely accused, and he goes through this shame trial before the Jewish elders, and then he's being brought before Pilate, and his Pilate knows nothing about scriptures, he knows nothing about what's going on, he's a politician, he's trying to keep the people happy, and here he's having a conversation, one-on-one conversation with the Savior of the world, completely oblivious to, to what, who is before him. But let's turn to what Christ tells him, okay? Uh, let's go to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, we're going to look at verses 35 to 37. John 18, chapter 35 to 37, it says, and this is a conversation. So Jesus has come from the elders, Jewish elders, and now he's before Pilate. And Pilate... Pilate's having this conversation with him about whether he should release him or not. Pilate answered and said, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, are thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause I came unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So this is the testimony that Paul is referencing to Timothy when he's writing to him. And what confession is that, that Christ has given? So Christ is, is speaking the truth to this man that doesn't really even understand it. And 
And when Christ rises a couple of days later, Pilate remembers what this man, the Savior of the world, told him. And Jesus is telling him, he says, I can only, what does he say? He says, I came into the world and I bear witness unto the truth. He's bearing witness unto the truth. Everyone that hears the truth, that is not the truth, hears my voice. And so he, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the truth of what Christ, of what him as Jesus Christ came into the world to do. Skim back, rewind all the way back to Genesis. Remember what happens. Man falls. Adam and Eve disobey. And what does God, God ends up having a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice done to cover them. And what does he, he gives that, prof, uh, that prophecy of the, the heel being bruised and the head being crushed. Jesus crushing sin. Jesus crushing Satan. So all that, all that is being fulfilled in the death of and the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is telling Pilate, this is the truth that you're going to end up seeing, okay? And, and Jesus bears a witness of that truth, okay? Now, how does that relate to me fighting a good fight, okay? And, and Paul encouraging Timothy to do that. We have witnessed the truth. Amen? We as born again Men and women of God have witnessed that truth. And we're to profess it before this world. Amen. And it doesn't matter how much pushback comes against us. It doesn't matter how much the devil comes against us. We've witnessed that truth and we're going to profess it. Amen. And we need the Lord to help us fight that good fight. And I love how Jesus is the best example of this. Amen. And there's great men in the Bible, but Jesus is the best example. Okay. I want you to flip through several scriptures with me. Some of them are going to reference. Some of them I, I feel it's important for us to read. Uh, flip over to Luke. You're in John. Flip over to Luke chapter 4. And we're talking about fighting a good fight. Amen. And in this fight, there's a great temptation physically upon Christ. But there's, this is a spiritual battle. You remember right before Jesus, and this is the account of Jesus going into the desert, into the wilderness, and being tempted 40 days, 40 nights. Right before this, he was baptized. Okay? And there's the, the picture of the dove coming upon him, being him being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And then it says the Holy Spirit leads him, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Okay? Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip towards uh, 13 and 15. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan from being baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into a wilderness? Right? You kind of wonder, why, why would the Holy Spirit lead him into that? And sometimes when we're going through hard times, we wonder, why is God leading me here? And I can't exactly speak into your situation. Perhaps you've made a mistake and perhaps you've missed God. I'm not counting that out. But God perhaps has led you in this wilderness. And then there's a physical need that comes. Jesus hungers. Okay? So... Not only is he led in a place where there's not any food, he's hungered, and then who comes? The devil comes and he tempts him. 
And we don't have time to go through all, but he gives us three temptations, remember that? And how does the Lord respond to Satan? Satan even uses scripture, doesn't he? He tries to bring this confusion in it. Amen. And again, that's a whole other sermon in itself. But what does Jesus do? He answers with the word of God. Amen. And then, and then Satan ends up departing him. But we're going to skip down to verse 13, 14, and 15. And when the devil had ended all temptations, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned how? In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, of all. Amen. And so this temptation, the Lord brings, and of course this is for our example as well. Jesus fights the good fight in the midst of that temptation. I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures when I have time to, to turn to all of them. But if you have a, a pen and write these down, these scriptures down. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. Y'all, the Lord doesn't put us in bubbles, in this bubble where nothing hits us and nothing affects us when we walk with Him. Okay, He doesn't do that. He certainly protects us, and He, he has His angels charged around uh, about us. But God allows these things to happen because He's building our faith. Fight the good fight of faith, right? There's a battle and there's a training that comes as a son and as a daughter of the king. Amen. We're going through the book of Judges um, in our college and career Bible study. And in the first couple of chapters, uh, there's, a, there's a passage, I think it's in chapter 3, David had taught on it. It says that the generation that came after of those that followed Joshua had never known war. They had never known battle. And it says God allowed some of these enemies to remain so that they would learn how to battle and they would learn how to, how to battle in war. Okay? And that's what the Lord does in our lives. But God never allows too much to happen to you. He knows how much we can handle. Amen? He really does. James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I don't know about y'all, but I don't count it all joy when I fall into temptations or trials. The first thing when something bad happens, you're like, gosh, why did this happen? You know, it may be something silly. It may be really serious. You just wonder, why is God allowing this to happen? Okay. But how does the word of God instruct us? It says, count it all joy. And it's not a carnal joy. It's not a physical joy. It's a spiritual joy because you know that in your heart, there's something deeper. There's something spiritual that God is trying to hone in on. And he's trying to teach us through. Okay. And that's why he says, count it all joy. And he says, and, and how and why do we count it all joy? Because this trying of your faith, it's going to work patience. It's going to work maturity. It's going to work strength in you. Okay, I don't know if I'm maybe way back when you were younger at PE and all of your school, why do you have physical education? Not only do they want your brain to be developed, but your body to be strong. Okay? Because if you have a strong mind and you understand things, but your body is not strong, then it's not worth it. In the same way, 
spiritually, God has to strengthen us. Okay, and part of that comes, it comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it comes through the ministry of the words, it comes through growing in Him, it comes through God speaking to you, but it comes also through you going through that trial, it comes through you going through that battle, okay? Fight the good fight, fight the good fight, amen? Let's keep going, uh, turn with me to Psalm chapter 42. And this next theme the Lord's given me in fighting the good fight is discouragement and depression that you may go through as a believer. And when you study the life of David and you read through the Psalms, David battled a lot of discouragement. He was abandoned. He was falsely accused. He was running for his life all the time many, for many years with, with Saul and, and things that he went through. And these songs, all these songs are prayers to the Lord of discouragement that's just fallen upon him, okay? Psalm 42, starting in verse 4, it says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I had went with them. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. And then he asks himself this question. He's in church, basically, in a sense. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and of the hills are. What is, what is David doing in this psalm? He's fighting the good fight in the sense that he's reminding himself, why are you cast down? There's a hope in the Lord. There's a joy in the Lord. Amen. When we rest in him. Matthew 11, 28 to 29. This is what Jesus, um, y'all turn with me. I think that's an important scripture to, to read together. Let's go back to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28-29 The greatest encouragement from the Savior of the world for those that are discouraged and heavy laden. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Amen. Y'all know this world is restless. This world has no peace. The wealthiest, the most successful, the most famous are alcoholics and drug addicts. They don't have rest for their souls. That's what this world is looking for in the wrong places. But we're in the right place, amen, in Christ. There's a rest in Him. As we rebel against the Lord, when we rebel against God, when we rebel against what He tells us to do, as an unbeliever especially, but even as a believer, God's called you to do something and you disobey. God's called you to give everything to Him and you disobey. There's a restlessness in you. There's a lack of peace in your life. But when we finally lay that at Jesus' feet, there's a rest in Him. There's a peace in him. Amen.
I pray you do that this morning. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10. And now we're going to talk about fighting the good fight in the midst of persecution. Mark chapter 10, verse 27 to 31. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. And so what is Christ encouraging with? Peter said, God, we've given everything. We've, we've been, we've abandoned everything for you. And here's the promise that Christ gives. God doesn't just leave us on our own. He doesn't just, okay, well, you know, hang in there. <laughs> what does he promise? There's a promise in him, amen? Um, I'm going to read this scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 12. This is Jesus saying, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Amen. He says, rejoice, be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted. Count it all joy when you fall, fall into temptations. You see, these are like, paradox seems like, you know, it's something really bad. How can we rejoice in that? How can we joy in that? Because we're fighting to get faith, and there's something at the end that's above and more important than any of those things. When we spend eternity with the Lord... All the battles we went through that we thought were so big are going to seem so inconsequential for the greatest prize of all, to spend eternity with the Lord. Amen? Let me cover this last theme in fighting the good fight, sickness. And you can turn with me to Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. It's a wonderful prophecy. It says, Malachi 4, chapter 2, it says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the soul. Jeremiah 17, 4 says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Thou art my praise. 
And then Isaiah 53, 5, the prophecy of the crucifixion of Christ. In that passage, it says in verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. And I'm not promising you today and this morning that God's going to heal you right now. Amen. He certainly can. And I have faith that he can. Whenever God chooses to heal, there is a victory in it. And God's called us to continue fighting the good faith. Christ healed many, many when he walked upon us to the face of this earth. And you look at the New Testament and you look at even now testimonies of how Jesus has healed. Hang in there. Trust the Lord. Have faith in him that he can heal you. And if he chooses not to heal you, there's going to be an incredible healing as we spend eternity with him. There will be no more crying, no more death, no more sickness. Amen. When we spend eternity with him. What a promise we have in the Lord. Amen. Let's draw this to a close. If you can turn with me to, to Hebrews. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We're going to look at a couple verses in Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. And after we finish, we're going to take communion together as a church. As you're turning there, I don't know if you struggle with this, maybe as a believer, or maybe just, you know, sometimes you go through things and you feel like you're alone. You feel like other people aren't going through it. And you may, be, you may very well be going through something unique. But God wants to remind us that we're not alone. And there's other men and women of God that have gone before us, that have gone through hard things, and God's brought them through. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. There's a prize at the end of the race. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Amen. And then when you go through that chapter, it goes through Abraham, it goes through Noah, it goes through all these men and women of faith, and he gives their testimony. They believe God, they believe God. Moses left Egypt. They, you know, there's a there was a step in faith when everything seemed impossible, illogical, and then there was a victory that came when they walked in faith. Amen. Skip down to verse 33. Who through faith, speaking about fighting the good fight, amen, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Look at this in verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy. 
They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. These were people that came all the way before Jesus was resurrected. Verse 40. God having provided something, some better thing for us. The beginning part of the scripture. What an encouragement. They went through all that and they didn't see the fulfillment of the promise. The biggest promise. We've seen the fulfillment of the biggest promise. How much more? How much more evidence do we have of God's faithfulness? How much more evidence do we have of God's goodness at the end of all this? Amen? That's encouraging, isn't it? We need to be reminded of that. Amen? Go now to the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. Talk about fighting a good fight. Amen? Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking where? Looking to our own strength? Looking for our prayer to be answered in the next five minutes. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That was the testimony Jesus had before Pilate. We just read it in Second in uh, First Timothy, right? Fight the good fight before Jesus Christ, right? And then you see that in verse eleven. Why? How did Jesus do that? Look. Before the joy that was set before him endured all those things. If we don't set that joy of the Lord before us, it's going to be very hard to endure all these things that we're going to go through. Because you're only going to be looking at what you're enduring. And you're not going to be looking at the bigger picture. We have to look at the Lord. We have to look to him as the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. We're going to close a little bit differently this morning. We're going to close... In a sense, an altar call or communion. The communion as the Lord had commanded his disciples to do in remembrance of him. And you keep seeing remembrance, y'all. God knows that we forget. <laughs> we know all these things. We know the Bible. We've heard it many times, but we forget. Jesus had told the disciples, three years, I'm going to die and be resurrected. They forgot, didn't they? Lord, help us to remember. Amen. Well, let me close in prayer that we can uh, we can start the communion. Lord, I pray, God, for this message. Lord, I pray that um, God, it's so easy for me just to read this, and I don't want this to be some kind of pep talk, Lord. But God, that Your Holy Spirit, God, would minister this message in our heart. God, that we would fight the good fight of faith. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be wearied and downtrodden and depressed and discouraged, Lord. 
I pray we would look to you, God, and set that joy before us, God. I pray help us to endure, God, the things that we may have to go through, Lord. Knowing, God, that at the end, there's a refining that happens, Lord. I pray, God, as we prepare to take communion, God, help us to prepare our hearts.